Peace. It's time for Diva Live, the number one radio show in the private service industry. Diva Live is a radio show that allows private service professionals to discuss topics that pertain to their industry. Now, here are your hosts, Diva National President Matthew Hack and private service professional DJ Haverkamp. On last week's show, we had a great discussion about ways to avoid art theft. Preventing theft is a big part of a great loss prevention strategy. Even with a great loss prevention program, you will, may possibly at some point, face a loss. Today on our show, we'll be discussing some strategies for what to do if you have to deal with a loss, particularly if you need to turn to your insurance company for help. Welcome to DEMA Live. DEMA Live is an online radio show intended to bring private service professionals product suppliers, principals, and recruitment agencies together to discuss topics of interest to the high net worth service industry. DEMA Live is produced by the Domestic Estate Management Association, a professional trade association with a mission to serve those who serve others. The DEMA website is www.domesticmanagers.com. My name is DJ Haverkamp, a private service professional who's based in the New York area. I'll be your host today. My co-host, Matt Hack, president of the Domestic Estate Management Association, is unable to join us today, and we'll be back on next week's show. If you'd like to chat online with uh, our other listeners during the live show, you can do so by registering at the blogtalkradio.com website. If you'd like to submit a question to our guest during the show, you can text it to 914-525-1990. That's 914-525-1990. Welcome, everyone. Thank you for joining me today. Uh, Matt, who is usually with me on the show, is in Chicago and has some other responsibilities and made it unable for him to join us today. So we'll be just uh, doing this show solo. We have as our guest today uh, Carl Gross, uh, principal and owner of Global, Globe Midwest Adjusters International. Uh, and based in Southfield, Michigan, and the Large Loss Residential Contents Manager for their company, Eden Glasser. So, Carl and Eden, we'd uh, like to welcome you to the show. Thank, thank you for having us, DJ. We appreciate the opportunity. Thank you. Well, let me start out just by saying how grateful we are to have you uh, take time out of your day to discuss this topic with us. Uh, before we go into the um, real meat of the show, let's start out by just having you tell our listeners a little bit about yourselves and a little bit about the Globe Midwest Adjusters International Company. Tell us your story. Well, thank you again. Uh, Globe Midwest Adjusters International has been a public adjusting firm serving the Midwest since the uh, 20s, 1920s. Um, Eden and I, she's my sister, we are the fourth generation um, people in the business, and we have a staff of approximately 55 people. Uh, we also have an office in Chicago uh, that was founded about 20 years ago that we manage from Detroit. And our, our sole function is to protect the consumer when they have a property damage claim. So we do not work for insurance companies. We are uh, adjusters, consultants that represent large homeowners and business owners when they have any type of catastrophic loss due to a fire, a flood, a hurricane, uh, or a tornado. 
So we're here to help mm -hmm. the insured deal with all the difficult intricacies of the processing of an insurance claim, which can become overwhelming mm -hmm. for uh, a lot of people if they're not familiar with how the industry, uh, the industry game is played or how to properly document the claim. Mm -hmm. so, that, so that's what we do uh, in a nutshell. So, you know, before I uh, got involved with talking with you guys, I have to confess, I was not that well versed as to what a public adjuster was. And I would bet that a lot of our listeners are not really that familiar with the concept of a public adjuster. So I'd just like to ask you to maybe tell us a little bit about the whole professional loss consultants industry. Um, tell us what a public adjuster is. You know how long they've been around. How did public adjusting get started? And you know why haven't why isn't it more commonly known the whole concept of a, a public adjuster? You know, DJ, that that is a a very good question. Um, the public adjusting industry was started uh, in the 1900s, um, and there was an organization called NAPIA, the National Association of Public Insurance Adjusters, that was formed. Uh, I think in the 40s, uh, that was uh, an association where public adjusters could uh, meet and talk about issues and circumstances that they have within the industry. So exactly what a public adjuster is, they are an individual or a company that is licensed in particular states to work exclusively for an insured. Um, we cannot represent or we do not represent insurance companies. Um, our function is to level the playing field with the insurance company. So, um, you know, as I stated, we have been around since the 20s. And the industry back then, there was, you know, 10 firms throughout the country that were public adjusters. Uh, now it's, there, there's uh, quite a few more uh, that are uh, coming up in every city and every state every year. More and more people are, are getting into the, to the business. But since it's such a niche industry, we don't have the resources to advertise about what a public adjuster does you know, not like a state farm or an all-state who has a, a huge budget to always put on commercials, you know, your trust us, you're in good hands with all-state or state farm. So our business has predominantly been 90% referral over the past 50 years. Um, our, 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 we get our business from past clients that we have serviced when they have other friends or family members or people in the same industry that have had a loss. They reach out to us. So it's, that's predominantly how we uh, generate our business. I can't speak on behalf of other firms throughout the country. Uh, so I hope that answers your question. No, yeah, that's great. That's really interesting. Uh, but just to be clear, what you're, you're doing is that you're – outside of the insurance industry and you're advocating on behalf of individuals or companies you do work for both companies and individuals correct correct we we represent um homeowners and we represent business owners when when they have claims 
Um, right. You know, people, pe- people always think that it's, you know, they, when you hear about a fire, it's typically that a business burns down, but 65% of our business is residential claims. Oh, really? That much? Wow. Yeah, it's it interesting we, because we, the uh, Domestic Estate Management Association has members that are both individuals who work in private service, but we also have a lot of members who are businesses that provide services to the private service industry. And so we're trying to craft programs, and, and part of even the radio show is to help provide information for both businesses and for the individuals who are listening. So I think this is great that you that you serve both of those markets. Right. It, so, yeah, it is. The, the residential aspect of, uh, of an insurance claim is extremely time-consuming um, in terms of documenting what your personal property is. And, you know, if, if you have a total loss to your home, trying to remember every single item that you had at, your, at a house is virtually impossible. You can never create on paper what you lost due to a fire, if it's a total loss. DJ, I'll jump in for a a minute, too. There's a misconception that if you have a a total loss at your home or business, if, God forbid, everything burns to the ground, then you have a policy that you've taken out with your insurance company, and they're just going to pay whatever that policy stated limit is. I lost everything. I insured for X amount, and that's what they're going to pay me. And that is, that is not the case. You still have to document your entire loss from paper clips to uh, toothbrushes to furniture. You still have to list every single item that you lost in that home in order for the insurance company to consider payment. They don't just write a check. And that's one of the services that we offer is we, we help in that recreation process because it is very time-consuming and difficult. Um, and even if there are items that are visible, uh, what we do is we conduct a thorough, detailed inventory of those items. The insurance company does not go in an inventory for you, and they don't automatically pay you just because uh, you had a catastrophic total loss. And, and that is just part of the process. You know, that's just step one is inventorying it and documenting it. What's equally as difficult is valuing all the personal property that has been. So, so let, me, let me just jump in one second. Are you saying when we're talking about inventorying that we're inventorying prior to uh, the event that might cause the claim, or is this after the event has occurred? No, this is typically, you know, that, that's a good point that you brought up because we can talk about that later, but this is after an event occurs about, The only way that an insurance company is going to pay you for your loss is for you to be able to provide them with documentation showing that you had it, an inventory. And let me just say this is one of the things for our listeners who work in private service. This is a way that you can provide great benefit to your principal is by being that go-to person that maintains that inventory one of the biggest challenges I have found is in, in working in private service is, especially when you're working with high net worth individuals, they have usually a lot of things, and they have a lot of things that have high value. And keeping track and keeping a really up-to-date inventory can become a real challenge because things are constantly being added or taken away or moved to different properties, and 
it becomes a big part of our job is just keeping up with that inventory. And so I, I really appreciate what you're saying. Well, before we get That's into the nuts and bolts right of how there, this all, DJ. what's that? What? That's a full-time job trying to to determine what the possessions that a high net worth individual has. I mean, because well, they're for some, constantly for some purchasing items. It can be true, yeah. But before we jump down, I wanted to ask you just to talk to us a little bit about your knowledge of the insurance industry itself and what you know or what you deal with as you deal with insurance companies that our listeners might want to know about from that aspect of, like, dealing with insurance companies. Tell us just a little bit about the insurance industry maybe in general. The the insurance industry has dramatically changed over the past decade. Um, The insurance companies are a business, and they have a board of directors that they have to report to. And the function of an insurance company not necessarily is to pay out claims. Their function is to take your premium, invest the money, and earn a profit. Claims are an expense. So the insurance companies have started to uh, look very closely at every single claim that comes in front of them in trying to determine where they can save money, and you know, which makes our job a little more challenging because we have to really document every item and support it with why we are claiming a certain value. And the insurance companies over, you know, again, the last, God, this has probably been 20 years now, have started to hire a lot of lower-end adjusters that don't really understand or have the knowledge of somebody who has, um, you know, a couple of homes throughout the country that uh, spends, you know, four or five thousand dollars on a suit. Uh, they they just can't comprehend how somebody can spend that kind of money. And so, mm-hmm. you know, we help. You know, we'd be a great uh, asset to uh, your man, you know, domestic managers in making sure that if they have a loss, that the insurance company treats them fairly, and so that their boss doesn't have to get involved. Mm-hmm. And yeah, you know, under, I think that's under, one of the. In- yeah, uh, but uh, you know, even even a little bit, uh, you know, another step is understanding the languages, the endorsements, and the forms in an insurance policy can make a huge difference. Um, You know, every single policy is written a little differently. Um, There's a lot of exclusions in insurance policies, and and there's a lot of uh, endorsements that you can purchase. And if you you don't know uh, what those forms are or the endorsements that you've purchased, then, then you're really at a disadvantage. Mm-hmm. So you know, there's, your if, if we're strictly, if we're strictly dealing with like homeowners policies, um, where you have a, a house in Aspen and you have a house in Florida and you have one in Connecticut and your house in in Florida has a fire and the insured value is two million dollars. 
um, you have additional coverages within that policy that will certainly increase the value of the $2 million. And the insurance company won't necessarily tell you that. You know, mm-hmm. there's, there's uh, code enforcement that, that come into play. There's uh, what's called, a, used to be called a guaranteed replacement cost where you can collect sometimes up to 25% of the value of the policy if the home is destroyed. There's debris removal coverage that if you hit the limits of your policy, then the insurance company will pay you an additional 5% to remove the debris. The insurance companies don't necessarily tell you all these additional coverages that are within the policy, only if you ask for them. If you ask for them, Mm -hmm. then they may share that information with you. So, you know, they're, they're not forthcoming in everything that's in the policy. You know, you'll, mm-hmm. you'll, they'll send you a letter saying, give me your claim, document your loss, and we'll come out and inspect it. Mm-hmm. And that's, that's, I think, one of the things that I think our listeners should be very much uh, aware of is what you're just saying now is to be knowledgeable about insurance, to be knowledgeable about the policies that their principals have, even as a business owner, to really know what's in your business policies and I think that that's a great piece of advice for folks to be thinking about. Does your company um, give advice or if someone wanted to say, hey, can you help us review our policies? Can you, do you do that kind of service for folks? Uh, yes, we do. That's actually, um, whenever one of our clients has a fire after, after the fact, we sit down with them and tell them, uh, what they should have carried and all the endorsements that they should have and then set certain values for, you know, artwork, uh, for jewelry, uh, for antiques, for those hard items that uh, somebody might not know should be insured separately. So, yes, we will sit down with uh, anyone to review their policy and to give them an opinion of what coverage they should have and what they should add. Mm-hmm. Both so on both I on know... businesses and residential. Okay, yeah, right, right, right. So just let yeah, me make know, a, a note here now that for our could have, for our folks in you know, a business owner one of your domestic managers, you know, if the, if the the person owns a business or multiple businesses and and he has let's say a printing company and he's owned the printing company for 25 years, and he's got a, a press uh, that he's had that, you know, those presses are supposed to last forever, and he may have depreciated it down to a zero book value, but the replacement cost of that press could be $300,000. Mm-hmm. He might not have adequate insurance for all the business personal property that he has in his facility if he were to have a catastrophic loss. So we go in mm-hmm. and we will... Uh, look at the books and records and the depreciation schedules and then then visit the property to see exactly what types of machines he has and how would, how, what would we recommend uh, to insure the property for, for the personal property if you were to have a fire. So we do get involved in those. Mm-hmm. So when it comes to risk management and, and loss, uh, prevention for a, a person who's working in private service. 
they they have to look at a lot of different things, both if you, especially if you're a business and as a just as an, a, a homeowner. General liability insurances come into play, property insurances, um, automobile vehicle insurances, the workman compensation coverages, life insurance for employees, medical insurance, health insurance, the whole you know dental and special cancer and long care and long-term care and vision and all those kinds of insurances, disability insurances, uh, corporate liability issues, um, the whole, when you get into the whole of uh, businesses, um, errors and omissions, um, directors and officers for those who are working, business identity theft, those kinds of things. And now even terrorism insurance has become an issue. I'm wondering, does your, do you focus primarily on physical losses or are you dealing with helping folks with claims on any of these other kinds of insurances? Well, a lot of these types of insurances that you're referring to, um, you have to be an attorney to, to practice. Uh, you know, we, we mm-hmm. can't do, you know, estate planning or legal planning uh, because, you know, even though one of my partners is, a, is an attorney, he's also my brother, uh, we, we cannot give it, you know, legal advice. So predominantly what we do is first-party property damage claims, meaning that an insured has a loss, they would hire us. Not if they got into an accident in their automobile and uh, their car was totaled and they totaled another car and then that car that they hit is, right. you know, they're taking right. legal matters against them. We are only... Mm-hmm licensed in the majority of the states to handy first party to handle first party claims. Mm-hmm. Property claims. But property. Let me, the question the question I'd like to ask then is uh are there public adjusters in the world that exist for these other kinds of insurances? The, the, you know, unfortunately there are not public adjusters that would do a lot of these uh other types of insurance. Um, you know, general liability, we can, we can give our recommendations as to what types of coverages they have, but we can't handle a liability claim because um, okay. it would be a third-party claim. Right. And, you know, the, the health insurance claims and the dental and, you know, the long, you know, long-term care and um, those types of insurance policies, you would have to work through uh, your broker or an agency or your, you know, a financial planner to come up with what types of coverages you would need for, you know, those different types of insurances that you're looking to purchase. Right. right. But I'm just saying, I guess it'd be great if there was an advocate like you're doing for the property owner to go to the insurance company and say, hey, you know, here's what, here are the things that are going on in some of the other insurances as well. But we won't focus on that right now. Yeah, Ian, DJ, I want to ask a, how how what? Go ahead. I would say DJ that that would be a full-time job for almost each one of the different types of insurances that you talked about. Yeah, I can focus imagine, on. right? Yeah. And yeah. ours is, you know, it's it's a niche and a, you know, we we even though we have 55 employees, we we consider ourselves a boutique firm that really cater to the high net worth individual when they have a fire or their businesses. Yeah. So that that, and that always makes perfectly been a, good sense. And and we don't want to really deviate from that uh, by getting involved in some of these other aspects. 
Okay. Eden, Eden, I want to just ask you though now, how does it work? Tell us the, the, the how how does this all work? Do I do I approach your company and say we want to put you on retainer and when we need you you'll you'll be our adjuster or do we contact you when we have an an incident that we need to go to the insurance company for? Tell tell us kind of the nuts and bolts of how this all works. Well, you know, Eden is here, but um, I, I think this is, you know, more of a question. Oh, go for, ahead, I'm Carl. That's if it's better for you to answer. To, to me to answer. Um, you know, it's funny because, you know, we, we can have a client who has one event in their entire lifetime. Mm-hmm. And they may, they may never, ever have another type of loss. So for us to be on a retainer um, is not typically something that we do for your listeners, for uh, right. you know the, the domestic management industry. We are on retainer for a lot of our property management uh, organizations that we represent. We have standby agreements that you know whenever they have a claim, we are the first person, you know, the first contact that they have. And then we basically take control of the claim situation and contact everybody that needs to be involved. But for homeowners, you know, they may never have another fire, and I hope that they only have, if they have one, hopefully they will never have another event that, you know, that warrants our services. So uh, to answer that question, for your audience, we are not on retainer, but we do have a lot of real estate clients who own a significant amount of assets throughout the country where we are at, we do have agreements with them. We do get involved in every claim that they have, and sometimes the owners of the actual companies don't even know that they've had a fire because they have, you know, 40,000 units, and they're not going to get bothered if they lose five units in an apartment complex. Mm-hmm. Right, right, right. Makes sense. And how do you, you know, you, you oh. ask, you know, how do how do we, how do you reach out to us? Um, it's. We can give you our phone number, you know, and we get a lot of traffic through our email address um, and and social media. But predominantly, it's it's word of mouth. You know, we we can hear about fires because the media and the news uh, that's worthy of them reporting it. But if someone has a broken pipe in their 12,000 or 15,000 square foot house, uh, that that doesn't draw the attention of the media. Right. So. They have to somehow get referred to us for us to get involved. For sure, yeah, yeah, that yeah, yeah. That, yeah, of course. So, so now uh, I know a lot of high net worth homes are along uh, beachfront properties. Let's say uh, we have a hurricane. We had Hurricane Sandy here in New York uh, a few years ago. Uh, a lot of flooding occurred. What would what would be the process? Would I reach out to to Eden and make say, hey, we've been flooded out. You come and make an assessment then of what's happening, or do I contact the insurance company first, or how? What is, what is the process for making a claim? We always we always recommend that if somebody is familiar with us or the public or a public adjuster that they contact us immediately before they submit the claim or call the agent because we we can guide them through that process of how to report it so specifically in in if you're talking about like you know hurricane sandy 
you have to buy certain coverage for flood. So if you're on the ocean, um, you you know your typical homeowner's insurance policy won't cover for water that penetrates the home from outside the home. You have to buy a policy for that that will okay. pay you, indemnify you if you were to have a loss. That is not in your standard homeowner's policy. Mm-hmm. So you you have to buy you have to buy that policy. So what about indoor storm damage? Let's let's say we get a big wind and a branch falls down and falls on the tree, the house or breaks a window or something and water gets in the house. Is that the same thing? Well, no, because you know we we had an event in in the Midwest uh, about two weeks ago that hit Indiana, Ohio, Illinois, and Michigan, where we really had tropical forest winds that were you know up to 65 miles per hour. So you don't need uh, an endorsement for for those types of claims um, because you know if, if you're sitting in you know if you're at home uh, and a tree does fall through your roof that is covered by your standard you know insurance policy. However, if you're on the coastal areas like you're talking about or in Florida where um, you do have to buy a hurricane policy, you do have to buy a windstorm policy to cover you for a hurricane. But if it, you know, if, it, mm-hmm. if you're somewhere, you know, in, in Colorado uh, or in Montana or in Utah or, you know, in, in uh, California and a tree just falls on your house from wind, that's covered in your standard homeowner's policy and all the resulting mm-hmm. damage. And DJ, I'll just jump so, in for a minute because there's so many different types of events that can occur. And what we would recommend is that any type of loss that happens, that there's property damage, feel free to reach out to us because we can guide you through whether it's covered or not covered or what the next proper steps for you to take. If you reach out to us immediately, that can help change the course of how the entire claim is handled and the best steps going forward to make sure that everything is handled the best way that it should. So reaching Mm -hmm. out to us on any event um, just for that advice is something that we were certainly open to because it is such a confusing process. Yeah, I think all of our our listeners should put your information in their in their contacts list because it, you never know when you may need a resource like like what you're offering. I think it'll be really helpful to have this information out there for our listeners for sure. Yeah, so, and DJ, I mean, it it you know, people don't expect or plan for a you know any type of fire or or major water damage loss. So you know when, when when the event happens, they have nowhere to turn. They have no guidance. They have no one that is going to be looking out for their interests. And you know mm-hmm. that's what we're we're here to help the domestic managers and uh, anyone else to to make sure that that they get treated fairly from the insurance company and to protect their um, boss's assets. No, I think that's a great. I think that's a great, great thing you're doing. So, but then the next question would have to be, what's in it for you guys? How do you all get paid? What is the? How does the service work as far as the the charges and all that? Well, you know, if when when we get involved in a claim, um, and it's something that that we will add value to, and we will take the burden off of uh, an insured in terms of dealing with it. 
in terms of dealing with the, all the experts that the insurance company is going to be uh, sending out. It, you know, once we get engaged, um, we do work off a percentage of the recovery of what we collect from the insurance company. Okay. Hmm. So if typically, you... It's typically a uh, 10% of the recovery of uh, when, when we settle a claim. And it's primarily a contingency, so we don't get paid until the client gets paid. Mm -hmm. And because of your expertise, the likelihood that the client or the insured party has a higher uh, payout probably covers that cost of those expenses, and they even exceed. So the, the, pro the insured person still comes out ahead in the end. Right. You know, it, it, you know. People hire us for a, a variety of different reasons, DJ. And I think the one of the most important ones is that, you know, they, they don't have the experience, the knowledge of how to interpret the insurance policy to apply it mm -hmm. to their specific needs. And then, mm -hmm. you know, they, they don't have the experience to deal with an adjuster that could be sent out from the insurance company who has, you know, could be two years' worth of experience or ten years' worth of experience whose allegiance and loyalty is not to the insured. It's to the person who pays him, which is the insurance company. And some people mm -hmm. feel uncomfortable, you know, in those types of, you know, relying 100% as to, you know, at the mercy of the insurance company. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's, that's, that makes perfect sense. How long does it usually take for one of these claims to be processed? Do you Can your services expedite that? Or I know this can be quite a dragged on process sometimes uh how long how long does this usually take to to work through the system you know there is no clear bible that'll say that the whole claim will be settled within 90 days <laughs> um mm -hmm. you know his, we, we can like talk about historically what has happened in the industry and you know it's not it doesn't take a very lot of uh, time to put together an estimate to rebuild a home or to prepare and document the loss of what it would cost to restore a partial loss to a home. Where, where it becomes very difficult and challenging is valuing the personal property and mm -hmm. coming up with an inventory of everything that was affected in the home. Mm -hmm. I mean, literally, I think Eden said in the beginning that you have to inventory um, a pen or a toothbrush down to a sculpture or a painting or a sofa mm -hmm. or mm -hmm. you know a coffee maker or if you if you open up a cosmetic drawer you know in in a bathroom you may have 150 items in that cosmetic drawer each one has to be inventoried each one has to be labeled and each one has to to have uh, documentation to support what you want to recover from the insurance company. So it could take right. hundreds of hours to compile that type of documentation for a large homeowner. Do you have any advice for an estate manager or a business owner as far as making an inventory? Would you recommend they walk through their business with a video camera once every three months and just kind of video everything that's on the shelves and in the drawers? Or would you would you recommend setting up some kind of a, 
uh, Excel spreadsheet or taking pictures of all these items? How would you recommend somebody keep a good inventory? You know, that, that's a, a good question because a lot of times business owners, uh, you know, w- when, when they have a factory and they add on a piece of equipment, they don't necessarily call the insurance, you know, their agent or their broker to tell them yeah. that, you know, my policy was, you know, $6 million, but, you know, this year alone I've purchased, you know, an additional million dollars in equipment, and subsequent to the million-dollar purchase of the equipment, my inventory had gone up, you know, 40%. So now my inventory, which was once $2 million carrying, now I'm carrying a million, uh, an inventory of $3 million. So right there, during that one year, the insured may have added value of $3 million to his business that he didn't notify the insurance company on. Yeah. So it's not That's so easy much to happen more. in the private home too. Yeah. Well, exactly. Exactly. Right. exactly. Right. Well, I was just we were going to talk about the homes after the businesses. So with the business, I think every time that you buy a piece of equipment that is over $20,000, I think you should reassess your insurance policy to determine what types of, you know, to see if it makes sense for you to add this uh, to increase the policy to take into consideration for the value of the piece of equipment that you bought. Mm-hmm. The the homeowners is a is a different story and a, a little bit more difficult to to do because homeowners and for the you know your listeners those people are every day buying items. You know they're yeah. constantly shopping and purchasing or going you know buying something at an auction and bringing it home or having it shipped and, you know, having one Mm -hmm. piece of art move from one location to another location. All these things have to be uh, documented and the insurance company has to know exactly what's in, what should be in every home. So what what is your suggestion for doing that documenting? Is it, is it videoing? Is it cameras? Is it, what, how do you best keep that list? A video is is very helpful, but we really find, and when we've had um, losses where people have had some type of video or photo uh, records in the past, that still photographs are actually a better source if you, in the event of an actual loss. A video will capture um, everything from floor to ceiling in a little bit quicker time, but it's much more difficult to um, create an inventory off of a video if you suffered a catastrophic loss. So we really recommend both. We recommend having a video so you have all of the the room and the whole 360-degree view, but then individual pictures of all of the valuable items and even in just in closets and in drawers and in uh, Mm -hmm. master bedroom closets because those are areas that you're going to remember less detail of what you had. And then storing those photos off-site, either in a safety right. deposit box or in the cloud. Yeah. You know, there's a lot of options yeah. out there now. And Good. keeping yeah. records of the higher-end um, specialty pieces that are more difficult to document after the fact, like artwork, uh, rugs, antiques, those fine, finer items that may require appraisals, having those appraisals right. in a safe place as well. And it yeah, never yeah, hurts to yeah. have a complete inventory. You know, that's something that can be just updated. The hardest part is doing it initially. And then once an inventory has been created, if somebody had the time to do it, then updating it um, is a lot less overwhelming than, than restarting it. And it's a wonderful document to have. 
um, and keeping, keeping records of the, the larger purchases. And again, the ones that are more difficult to document that are more unique. Excellent. But the photographs are really thing, a huge aspect. You know, not one to, and to add on to DJ, I was just, just going to add something on to Eden. You know, if, if if someone buys a piece of art, you know, five years ago, and, and you know, they spent eight thousand dollars for the piece of art, and they insure it for eight thousand dollars, the value of that piece could be twenty thousand dollars today. So, mm-hmm. you know, it's it's important to always review your policies and the coverages that you have to adequately reflect of what the value of everything is today, which is, which is an yeah. ongoing process, like Eden said. So, Yeah, and that's what a really sharp estate manager will help their principal stay on top of, for sure. Yeah, We're running a little short on time. I want to ask you one more quick question. One of the things we love to ask our guests about is their attitudes toward professionalism. DEMA is really about promoting good professional attitudes amongst its members. What what do you see in your industry? How do you guys um, incorporate professionalism into your business and into your company? Well, you know that that that's a, a good question, and I think the integrity that we've created in our industry uh, is unprecedented. The um, sophistication and knowledge that we have of a high net worth individual, there is no other public adjusting firm in the country that has the exposure that we've been through to be able to properly assist all of those types of homeowners when they've had a claim. So we pride ourselves on being the boutique, the elite public adjusting firm in the country. And we will travel anywhere, uh, you know, in, in, the, in the world to handle a claim for one of our clients. Mm-hmm. And we are always sending all of our staff to uh, continuing education classes where they have to have certifications um, uh, to be a licensed public adjuster in certain states. So we, we pride ourselves on the cutting-edge leaders in the industry. And mm-hmm. obviously, all of our clients, any information that they share with us, anything that we've ever inventoried in their home is strictly confidential. It does never, it will never leave uh, our office. Mm-hmm. Well, that's great. Uh, I think that that's a good point for, for our listeners, too, is to always be learning. The, you know, professionalism is really about what you know. And I think the whole concept of, of career development and and continually uh, increasing your knowledge base is, a, is an incredibly good piece of advice for for building one's professional skills. Right. So before you we know, go, let's have you give everybody your um, your contact information. Tell us how our folks can get in touch with you if they need to. Well, you know, you can always go to our website, which is uh, Globe Midwest. Uh, AI.com or our office number is 248-352-2100. Repeat that again one more time. Uh, The office number is 248-352-2100. If you want uh, my email address. That'd be great. It's 
C-G-R-O-S-S at globe, G-L-O-B-E, M-W-A-I dot com. We would welcome any questions that any listener has or if they want to discuss with us any policies or how they can better protect, uh, you know, their employer, we'd be more than happy to discuss any issues and circumstances that they have about any insurance type. That's great. That's great. All right. Well, uh, let me thank you once again for joining us today. This has been a very interesting topic. I think uh, one that our listeners should certainly be very well versed about. We're out of time. Uh, we look forward to having Matt with us again next week. If you have any questions regarding how you can become uh, more involved with your local chapter of the Domestic Estate Management Association, or if you have questions in general about the private service industry, feel free to contact us at info at domesticmanagers.com. If you'd like to uh, be a guest on the show, or if you have a question for a suggestion for a potential topic or guest that you'd like to have us interview, contact us at that address as well. If you can't catch our live shows on Wednesdays at noon Eastern time, or if you'd like to listen to a previous episode, the shows are always available as podcasts on both blogtalkradio.com and iTunes. If you subscribe, uh, it helps our listener base. We really appreciate that. Next week, we'll be back on the show, uh, March 29th, uh, with um, a great uh, discussion on historians and building a family history. My name is DJ Haverkamp. On behalf of uh, my colleagues at the Domestic State Management Association and the staff there at the headquarters, we'd like to thank you for allowing us to continue to serve those who serve others. Have a great day. Thank you. Thank you.